host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back to Faith Thomas Foundation. Thanks you for tuning in once again. And as always, I say that our guests are special. And we have with us Mr. Dennis Boyd, and he works with the Community Engagement Arthritis Foundation. And of course, those of us who are over a certain age want to know more about arthritis and how can you determine if you have rheumatoid arthritis, arthritis, because we just don't really know sometimes what's going on. And Dennis has been working in the field for the past 35 years. He's very passionate about it. So welcome, Dennis. Thank you, Felice. I'm glad to be on the radio show. And we also have as the co-host today, uh, Mr. Ernest Kelly. Hello, Ernie. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello. So, Dennis, we're going to start out with you sharing just a little bit about yourself to our listeners and how you sure. came about uh, being so passionate in regards to uh, making arthritis your mission in life. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, let me just give, uh, I guess, a quick testimony on how I got to where I'm at today. Um, back when I was 18, um, I played, um, got a scholarship and played football in college. Um, and while in college, um, I noticed in playing football, I started to have flare-ups during practice. Um, as a result of that, I used to get injected with cortisone just to make it through practice. Um, and then <clears throat> during the, um, after my first year and then during the summer, um, I realized that uh, when I would work out, I would just flare up. And then it got to a point where um, my mother had decided to take me to my, our own doctor versus, you know, um, going back to the school doctors. And she took me to um, doctors, ran a lot of tests. And as a result, um, they said that I had rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, but prior to that, um, I was... Um, I had some issues with my time, my running getting slower and slower. So I went to a foot specialist to um, see, hey, is this something with my shoes or uh, what's going on? And, you know, I got special insoles made. Maybe I thought it was something with my shoes that was causing me not to run run as fast as I used to. So at that point, he had, at that time, he had mentioned that you may have arthritis. And back then, I was like, arthritis? That's for old people. There's no way. But then again, when I finally went to my <laughs> own <laughs> doctor, and ran all these tests, and I was like, yeah, you have arthritis. So uh, as a result of that, I had to stop playing football, which, you know, I that's what I wanted to go to school to do is play football, Division, division One. Um, but I was able to maintain my scholarship, but I had to refocus everything I knew about what I wanted to do on just my education. Um, so I really got more involved in my schooling. Uh, but as a result of um, what, I, well, what I got diagnosed uh, with was rheumatoid arthritis, and going into my last year of college, I had to get a hip replacement. And that was back then was like, you know, for someone my age, getting a hip replacement was this, this wasn't known for someone my age. Um, so I ended up getting a hip replacement at the age of 22, which was like the youngest that, and I'm from Toledo. So back in Toledo, no one had hip replacement unless it was like in a car crash or something really bad. Um, and then throughout the years, um, as a result, I end up having both shoulders replaced, uh, both hips replaced. I've had multiple hips replacements. I have both um, knees replaced, and I have one right ankle replaced. <laughs> so they call me the bionic person. But with, but with that, though, I never allowed that to de deter what I wanted to do in life. So 
Um, I work at Honda. I've been working at Honda for over um, 27 years. I'm looking closer to retirement uh, within the next couple of years. And with my job, I've you know I've traveled all over the U.S. I travel you know internationally all over. I have um, from Japan to a bunch of pro- um, trips to Mexico on different projects. So I never allowed that to enable me to still try to live a normal life, even though that's like kind of impossible. But but I still didn't um, allow that to deter me to be all like, oh, I can't do anything. So as a result of that, I got involved with the Off-Rights Foundation, and I did a lot of volunteering over the years just to do whatever I could to, you know, to you know, support the organization as well as just to, you know, when I get a chance just to tell my story as well, so hopefully maybe encourage someone as well. And then over the, maybe the last six years, I've been, I was asked to be um, part of the um, local leadership board here in Columbus, Ohio. So while on that board, um, I, you know, I really didn't do a lot, uh, really. But one of the things I, I said I wanted to do, I wanted to really get more engaged with the uh, minority community because I felt that we was um, not really uh, represented in those communities. So my initiative now is really to try to be at the different fairs, health events, and just to, you know, share information on what resources are available for those who have arthritis and or know someone who has it. Um, And it just doesn't impact older individuals. It also unfortunately impacts young kids as well. How can you tell if you have rheumatoid arthritis or just arthritis. So sometimes when you go to the doctor, they'll say, oh, you got arthritis setting up in there. And if you have arthritis, the rheumatoid arthritis doctors will not see you. I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor or anything. So mm-hmm. I can give you my own best understanding of what I think may, you know, what the right correct answer would be. But in regards to determine if it's, if it's rheumatoid or something else, because there are different types of arthritis an individual could have. Um, rheumatoid is probably considered the most severe type of um, arthritis because that's basically where your immune system basically, instead of protecting your body, it basically turns against your body and attacks your own um, your organs and joints. Um, so you may be more susceptible of, you know, colds or any type of, you know, <clears throat> um, bacteria um, illness. Um, because again, your immune system um, is again instead of protecting your body, is actually turning against your own body and protecting yourself. And as a result, your um, joints will flare up. And um, in some cases, it may just be for certain parts of the body. For normally, when rheumatoid, it could be your whole body. It could be you know from your toes to your hands to your knees, and it can move around in different places. How it could be different from other, um, how they determine. I know through blood work and through, you know, some cases x-rays, but I know mostly through um, blood work is how they determine what type of uh, arthritis the individual may have. I had a, a couple of questions. Uh, have uh, any of your children, have they shown signs of having arthritis? And the other question is, are you guys going to be doing the Jingle Bill Run this year? Um, first question. Um, no, I have two kids, um, a daughter and a son, um, a daughter who's 23 and a son who's uh, 19, and no signs of um, arthritis at all. And they both uh, were both active in sports, which I was as well, uh, but no signs as well. well that's good. Um, second question um, in regards to the Jingle Bell Run. Yes, um, last year we got back to the actual 
the Jingle Bell Run at the Kosai um, facility outside. Of course, with the pandemic, we didn't have it. It was virtual for the um, previous two years, but last year we did actually have it, um, and we are planning on having it again this year as well. Thanks. So when you had all of these surgeries, was it in relation to the rheumatoid arthritis? Yes, and the funny thing is with me, I think for the most part, you know, for someone who had arthritis or who has arthritis, I feel for the most part pretty good, but I would know I get to a point because one, because basically with me, it was fluid between your joints. When that fluid starts to decrease and you, and when I start getting bone against bone, that's when I know that, oh, okay, I'm in a lot of pain now. Um, like if I, for example, if I sit down and try to get up and if it's my hip, and if I can just feel my bone just, just turning at each other, that's where it gets to the point, okay, I I, I got to get that replaced. But I wouldn't know my body would, when I get to that point where it's boning its bone, that's when I would go and get it replaced. I knew about a year and a half ago that my left knee, I was bone on bone. Come to find out here just a month ago that my right knee was actually bone on bone also, and my right knee hurts more than my left knee does, so I have decided to have surgery because, of course, that it's no fun being in that pain. Yeah, and that's that again. Bone. That's when I when I knew that it was time for me to, because again, that pain is just is. I mean, the level of um, that pain is just will be too much. And then with um, medical technology, I mean, when I first got my first hip replacement back, probably in 1990, I believe the technology has improved, I mean, so much over the years. Um, whereas when I got my surgeries, uh, I would be out like a month if that, and I'd be back to work. And people be like, how are you back to work so quick? And now even today, there's people that I've heard who get both hips replaced and they're at home the next day <laughs> with both hips replaced because of the, the technology. And they even do now like partial replacements where and instead of doing a full replacement, they may have, they may just do a partial based off you know the condition of your particular joint. You mentioned that people of color. What are you seeing as far as uh, dealing with arthritis? Is it the awareness, or uh, what's the big, biggest obstacle uh, that you see with people of color? Thanks for that question. Since I've been out to the different fairs and being able to talk directly with people. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's not funny, but it's so ironic that everyone comes up to me and say, oh, I know I got a, I have arthritis. And the first, then my next response, so the next question would be, well, how do you know? Oh, they're like, oh, I have pain in my back or this or that, or my doctor might say that. And then my next question would be, well, have you officially got tested? It's like, no, no, but I know I have it. Well, so how do you know you have it? Uh, I just know I have it. I just deal with it. And then, but, and I was like, it's, and it was so sad to constantly keep hearing that same story over and over again. And then when I when I tried to then say, okay, well, here's some um, some inf some information, you know, some brochure on where you go online, you can find out. And then here's what you could do to go see if you officially if you do have it. You know, there's different tests that can run, and but most commonly most commonly used tests that's conduct conducted is you know like blood tests and again X or, or like X-rays or something. Uh, but no one's like, no, everyone's like, oh, no, you know, I'll just deal with it, or blah, blah, blah. Or I was like, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to deal with that pain. Why would you want to deal with that pain? And I feel like some of the reasons is maybe the, um, the, the lack of awareness 
or just um, health care, you know, what type of insurance or lack of insurance, or just not getting the correct, the correct guidance from doctors. Um, you have your family physicians or family doctors that people may go to, but they're not the specialists in regards to determining. Um, they could, because, you know, with anything, you know, you have a general practitioner, you know, they could overall tell you, yeah, it looks like you may have arthritis, but then they should recommend you to um, a specialist. Um, but again, it all depends on maybe where you live at and, again, what type of insurance you have. Um, I know there's obstacles with people with transportation, but it just doesn't seem like the awareness is there and that they're getting the, the right support and the right communication to go and help, you know, deal with this and get the right answers. I started laughing because I know growing up, my my grandparents and, you know, grandmother specifically always talked about he got arthritis, and I'm like, how does she know he got arthritis? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are the same way. They, you know, the grandparents and and, and great grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, they they always said complained about arthritis, and he's like, well, how do you know? Do you hear your mom be like, she don't have arthritis? She only right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGIN, and WGIN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. What are some of the things, like when you had your some of your replacements, type of therapies that they might have recommended that you do? Once you have the surgery or prior yeah, to Yeah, once you have the surgery, or even prior to the surgery, you know, or even prior, what are some of the things that you can do? Well, prior to making that decision of having surgery, I mean, I think one of the most important things is um, try to, first of all, you know, get officially diagnosed of what you do have because, again, there's different types of arthritis, and based off the type you have, there's different medication that can be used to either – because to either stop it, because there's no cure for arthritis, so but you want to find the right medication that, that fits you to stop it, slow any type of um, damage that it's doing to your body, um, and in some cases, just maybe put in a remission. For me, and I know this sounds crazy for some people who have, who have arthritis, you have to work out um, to some degree, know your body. Like for myself, well, right now I work from home, but when I was going into the office um, a couple of years back before the pandemic, I worked out twice a day. You know, I, before work, I would go and hit the pool. And then at lunchtime, um, I was, you know, blessed to have a workout facility right there on Honda campus. Then I would go back at lunch and lift weights. Um, now that I'm at home, I go to the Y in the morning before work and I do my lifting weights and the pool before um, I start work every morning. Um, but I think it's important because you want to continue to build that muscle mass around your muscles to strengthen your joints to make sure to give your joints, you know, support and, and give your body overall strength. And then, like, for walking, I could, I could walk. I mean, I could, walking doesn't really bother me. Um, it bothered me a little bit more now because when I had my third hip replacement um, on the hip that I originally got done, the very first one, the technology uses a, a bigger uh, rotator cup, and now the ones today are a lot smaller, so they had to rebuild my pelvis. So my pelvis is a lot uh, weaker, so I, I don't have that strength in my leg to really, like, do a lot of walking long distance. 
But what I do do, I go to hit the pool every day. I've always, always, always been in the pool for all, I mean, for years. Because, I mean, that you're not putting any pressure on your joints and you're moving your joints as well as your, you know, there's some resistance, you know, when you're in the water. So I always recommend, you know, if you can, you know, first start off in the pool and then work your way up, continue to work in the pool and then try to do some light lifting and work your way up. Post-surgery, um, that same day now, they're just, they're getting you up out to bed. If you have surgery in the morning, that late afternoon, they're getting you up out to bed. Um, if it's hip replacements, knee replacements, um, you're out, they're trying to walk you. Um, and then normally um, you'll go home the, the following day and then um, you'll, you know, again, it also depends on your type of insurance. They'll uh, recommend someone, ther a therapist to come by and help you with your home therapy for maybe a couple of weeks. And then from there, you go to outpatient therapy where you do um, repetitive um, therapy um, based off whatever you have replaced, if your knees or shoulder. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things that I heard in regards to uh, the turnaround time or recovery time. But the most important thing out of this whole thing was that you had to complete your physical therapy. They said as long as you complete your physical therapy, you really won't have any problems. So Yeah, it's it's ongoing, really. I mean, um, like for me, with my knee, knee replacements, those were my hardest surgeries because um, I never got that, that mobility, flexibility back. Um, and I've had mine both replaced multiple times. And it was to a point one time where I wasn't getting the flexibility back, where they actually had to t they took me to the hospital, put me under, and they just cranked my knee back <laughs> for me while I was under. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, that was my toughest because, and and the biggest thing too with surgeries, unfortunately, and well, let me just step back. One of the biggest things with arthritis um, that can have a major impact is the individual weight. I mean, someone's carrying. Um, additional weight or maybe it's a heavier set individual, you're putting a lot more pressure on your joints um, and which could cause a lot more pain um, and it could cause um, a more longer recovery time if you do have surgery. Um, so that weight has a big impact on the um, the arthritis itself, the amount of pain you could be causing yourself because of the weight, and then also, if you again, if you do have surgery, your recovery time. I think they really should look, like you said, about the weight, because I think they really should look at, uh, you know, candidates for replacement surgery on some like their knees, because my cousin, yeah. he had knee replacement surgery, and but before they would do it, because he weighed, he he weighed over 300 pounds and before they would even do it they was you know telling him that he needed to like lose x amount of pounds and and everybody that i've ever talked to that that's had knee replacement uh surgery like that they they've all been um I don't, you know i don't want to like dog them out saying they fat anything like like that but but they seem to be on the heavier side. And I think they ought to take that into account when they, you know, when they, you know, look at doing those replacement surgeries and stuff. It it, it might 
uh, helped the the candidate a little bit more. But what I wanted to ask Dennis was, was, you know, sickle cell patients now are going through a problem with getting pain medicine. So I was just wondering, for for people that doesn't want to have surgery, they just want to deal with the pain, is the opioid crisis, is, has that had an impact on the uh, arthritis patients getting pain medicine? Not from my understanding, um, but uh, one of the things I've done too, um, I volunteer as an advocate, <clears throat> and I've gone to Washington, D.C. Uh, multiple times to um, Capitol, here, Capitol Hill, um, to talk directly with um, different, you know, representatives, senators about arthritis, um, because <clears throat> there's for again based off, <clears throat> excuse me, your insurance, uh, and and also based off where you're located, um, individuals are de- denied, you know, certain type of medication because the insurance may want to take you to what's called like a step therapy, where they want you to try all this other stuff before they give you approval to try was really that's really what's going to help you and by you wasting all this time taking all this other stuff <laughs> i mean you're just <laughs> allowing the, that person to go through all this pain um but it's just what how the insurance companies try to control you know trying to give you the, the cheapest methods first before they approve you know what's really going to help you which may be more expensive um but the opioid um you know issue not that i'm aware of I know one of the things that people with arthritis would maybe are maybe migrating more towards is, you know, with the um, CBD oils or, you know, different type of mm. cannabis that, you know, because um, yeah. I think officially now that um, if you could show that you are, you know, or you do have arthritis, I think you can get a medical card to, um to use, because um, I think that's one form of, you know, people can get relief um, that's not directly tied to, you know, um, pain medication, um, but it's a, another outlet. And one thing I, I do want to add to that, <clears throat> which I didn't touch on, was like medication, I mean, with medication, like for myself, like again, since I've been on, um, well, since I've, I have arthritis for over like 35 years now, um, I've been on everything from way back in the beginning. I was taking like literally go shots and I tried everything on the market. And then after a, a while, I got to know my body. And because really arthritis doctors, you know, they just want to try different stuff on you. And, I mean, in most cases, even though my, um, re, my test results were like off the chart, I knew I feel good. And that was another thing that I always constantly debated with my doctors. Yeah, I know it looks bad, but I'm telling you how I feel. <laughs> I mean, I'm able to still, you know, work, <laughs> live a normal life. I'm able to travel, you know, have a family, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, again, I understand what going, what's going on internally is saying a different thing. And so I would try different stuff, and then I had to make a choice and say, okay, I know what works best for me. So even it got to a point where, like, I don't know how many years back, um, I was like, no, I'm only taking this medication. I, I know there's new stuff coming up, and I've tried it here and there, but I know what my body responds to. And that's where individuals <clears throat> have to be, have to understand their body and have to be able to communicate to their doctors. Because, again, 
there's, there's, there's no cure, and doctors will always try to introduce the newest and latest thing <laughs> to see if, if it works. In some cases, that's okay, because if nothing else has have, have worked, then maybe the next best thing may work. But again, you have to get to a point where what works best for you, and then that's what you want to stick to. And then um, besides medication, there's other stuff in regards to eating, you know, again, working out, eating, exercising. Um, there's uh, different types of foods, understanding your body or what are, are there different triggers, you know, like with food that could like make your body flare up. Um, there's types, what, what they call nightshade uh, food, like potatoes, tomatoes, um, that, you know, doctors should be, you know, arthritis doctors should be telling you to stay away from because those are all, quote, inflammatory type of um, vegetables. Um, there's so there's different things, and you just need to understand your body if there's different triggers that would trigger them. But there are certain foods that are considered like inflammatory types of uh, food, pasta, stuff like that. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. French fries. Well, French fries. I love French fries. Yeah. Um, Dennis, is there anything that you would like to say uh, to our listeners before we uh, get ready to sign off here? And if you could also tell them where they can learn more about arthritis, I'd appreciate yes. it. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to come on and just share a little bit of my story. Um, I think um, it's important to hear from other people and know that you're not the only one going through it. Um, but you have to uh, reach out and try to get help. You know, first officially get diagnosed, and then make sure you get diagnosed with um, the what considered the correct type of arthritis if you do have it. Um, but then there's there's um, the Arthritis Foundation here in Columbus as well as all over the, the country, um, and there's uh, resources online um, that you can go to the arthritis.org. Um, there's um, what we what's called a live yes, where there's um, an online community that you can link up uh, with and um, just, you know, support each other, understand what they're going through, what you may be going through, and encouragements and just additional resources. Um, there's all types of webinars um, on, again, if you go to arthritis.org, um, um, brochures, and with the Arthritis Foundation, we do different events throughout the year where um, we try to bring people together, raise funds uh, to continue to do additional research to hopefully one day to find a cure for arthritis. Um, but until then, you know, we want to continue to um, engage the community that there are resources available, there are specialists that are there to help you. Um, and my goal is just to go within the, you know, the minority community and really try to, you know, bring more awareness and just where you can find more resources to not just live with this, but live effectively with this disease if you do have it. We do thank you uh, for coming on and sharing with us today your, you know, your story and why you're so passionate about getting the information out about arthritis. Uh, you will be joining us on July 30th, correct, at the Lowe's parking lot? That's my plan, yes. For, okay, great. I hope that plan stays because I think that there's a lot of people who really, you know, with you being there talking about arthritis, some people, a lot of people just don't like to talk about it. 
And like Ernie sure. said, it goes way back from the grandparents to, you know, way, way back that African-Americans just don't like to talk about a lot of things. But with your booth being there, I feel that this will give them an opportunity to possibly question themselves and uh, for you to have the opportunity to bring them up to date about what some of the things that they should do. So with that being said, Dennis, thank you for coming on. This is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas F. D. N.